3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognize their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday Breakfast. It's 7am, Tuesday the 14th of December, and it is our last live show, which is so exciting. In the studio with me this morning is Genevieve. Good morning, Genevieve. Good morning. And in studio two, just getting set up this morning, is Evie and Carnegie, and we will cross to them um, in a little bit. But uh, yeah, our last live show, Genevieve, how are you feeling? It's pretty strange, I think, just because um, a lot of this year was in lockdown. (laughs) So a lot of 2020 and 2021 seem to merge into one. It's hard to distinguish which was which sometimes. Yeah, I think being, yeah, like you said, being in and out of lockdown has just meant this, these past two years have just blurred into mm-hmm. one um, yeah. long period where time doesn't exist, Yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I feel like this show, and especially for me, personally and I know probably for the rest of uh us uh my co-presenters Tuesday Breakfast have acted as a real like anchor during the lockdowns it's like come in do Tuesday Breakfast um get to speak to some amazing people get to talk about some really important things and yeah I feel like I feel lucky (laughs) me too Um, Genevieve, what are we starting with? Oh my God, this was my idea, um, because I thought it'd be really fun to go through a quick little 2021 wrap up, a little reflection with a bit of humor, of course, what were the, what were some of the things that stood out? Um, and just even making a list this morning, there was a lot, a lot happened. A lot of, um, I think obviously really serious um, things and some just like random. I think especially when it's like Australian news, like some of the political stuff right. that was going on. Um, but yeah, we're going to touch on that a little bit later after the news. Sure. Uh, and then coming up after that, we will be speaking with Chris Schuringer from Gecko. Uh, it was announced yesterday that Vic Forests will be referred to both the Independent Broad-Based Anti-Corruption Commission, as well as the Ombudsman. So Chris is coming on the show to tell us more about that because, um, yeah, that will be a super interesting mm. discussion. And then uh, later on in the show, uh, we'll be speaking with Catherine, who is a PhD researcher at RMIT, and she has been researching native bees and, you know, the food and housing crisis that our native bees are suffering from at the moment. And she's going to give us or tell us some ways in which we can help native bees. It is a housing crisis. Yeah, yeah, that's a a good way of describing it, honestly. So we um, good to see what we can do then. Yes. 
And then just after 8 o'clock? Yeah, just after 8 o'clock, Carnegie actually has um, an interview with Amy Sargent, uh, which uh, recently the National Tertiary Education Union General Secretary has tabled an amendment to a motion about transphobia, which removes the requirement for the union to publicly affirm that gender-critical ideology. Um, and so Amy is uh, the national convener of queer unionists in tertiary education, uh, which is a network of queer members and staff. And she is a queer activist, artist and academic. And she'll be joining us to talk about that. Awesome. OK, well, we'll be back with the news headlines right after this. Across Australia and around the world, we've seen reactionary right-wing mobilisations around anti-vaccine, anti-lockdown and anti-public health demands. In response to this, the Campaign Against Racism and Fascism have launched the campaign Pro-Vax, Pro-Union, Anti-Fascist to combat the far right and to fight for public health, safety and social solidarity. Go to www.calf.melbourne to join the fight for the safety of workers in the community and against the far right. A 3CR supporter. Get your radical summer attire sorted. New stock of 3CR Radical Radio tees has just landed, featuring the iconic antenna design by artist Emily Floyd. As well as our basic black, we have a range of great pastel and primary colours in a variety of sizes. And for those radical little people, we have a short run of kids' tees available too. For just $30 for adults or $20 for kids, you can get yourself a local, ethically manufactured and printed tea that supports Radical Community Radio. We can send one out in the post and there's Click and Collect from our studios at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or if you're fully vaxxed, you can drop in and browse our t-shirt rack during business hours. To purchase online, go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Good morning, everyone. Just double-checking now, do we have Evie and Carnegie on the line here? I think you have me, but um, we just had a bit of feedback on Carnegie. <laughs> Hang on a second. Let me just pop it down. All right. How about that? Hello. There Hello. we go. Yay, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Welcome. Um, well, let's start off with the news headlines. So I mentioned this uh, just before, but... Vic Forrest has been referred to IBAC and also the Ombudsman. Um, this has, yeah, this was reported in ABC yesterday. They've been reporting on Vic Forrest for a while now. Um, and I won't go into too many details because uh, Chris Schuringer from Gecko is going to be joining us at around half past seven this morning to take us through what's happening. Um, in other news, though, New Caledonia just had a referendum uh, on whether or not to uh, stay or remain as a territory of France. And it has been reported that uh, 96.49% of voters have rejected 
independence from France, but it's interesting to note that only 43.9% of eligible voters actually headed to the polls. Mm. So um, this is because there have been pro-independence groups that mainly made up of the indigenous Kanak people who actually called for a boycott of the referendum after... Uh, France declined a request to delay the ballot to allow for a traditional mourning period following a surge in COVID cases in September. Uh, so, yeah, that's really interesting to note, actually, that they mm-hmm. they disrespected it's, those traditional protocols. It's also interesting to see how many countries are having this kind of conversation now in the last, you know, five years. Barbados just recently voted to leave... Um, you know, to reject um, the UK um, and, like, to leave the Commonwealth. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it's it's just, it says a lot about how Australia, like, only has this kind of conversation every, like, you know, like, 10, 15 years. And even then, it, it's, like, the privilege that we have as a mostly, like, white colony um, to speak about, like, you know, being part of the Commonwealth in, like, such a privileged way and to, like, not think about the plight of, you know, Indigenous people who suffer at the hands of, you know, colonialism as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, I wonder if they'll, um, if there will be another one because uh, this has been the third referendum in New Caledonia, so I'm not sure if there'll be more in the future but it will be interesting to see yeah what comes out of future ones definitely um, um the election yes i wanted to mention there was an analysis that was done by the guardian um today and it's about the election in 2022 where it found that female candidates are overrepresented for marginal seats at the next federal election while safe seats for both major parties remain dominated by males Uh, And while the major parties are yet to finalise all candidates for the forthcoming federal election, an analysis uh, that was undertaken by The Guardian of those pre-selected so far for Parliament's 35 marginal seats shows that about 60% of the candidates across both major parties are female. Uh, But obviously there is a huge push to increase the number of women in Parliament and the federal election will also see at least six incumbent female MPs being challenged by male candidates in marginal seats. Uh, And this also includes coalition, um, candidates challenging seating Labour MPs. um, And I think it just speaks to even what I was speaking about last week with... um, uh, an academic uh, who came on to talk about women representation and how there was an increase in MPs and um, an increase in women in diplomatic positions. But, you know, it is, it's not necessarily about the numbers. It's more about, you know, are these women in uh, positions where they have the ability to make decisions or have, take leadership? And so, um, yeah, if you have some time, read through uh, the article. It's, it's interesting. Um, I mean, at a glance, you might think, yes, lots of women, <laughs> lots more women. <laughs> but I don't necessarily mean that uh, the the way in which they will lead or the laws that they will pass will necessarily help exactly. women exactly. or yeah. other. And um, how, how intersectional are they? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what do they bring to the table? Yeah. I'm really interested in, like, um, the rise in 
it, it, it's it's not a political party, but they call it like the voices for people. So like basically, it's like an organisation that is like assisting people who wish to run in hotly contested, otherwise safe seats. So Zali Stegall um, at the last federal election was like part of the voices of Warringa, um in New South Wales to topple Tony Abbott. Uh, in a seat that he's been quite comfortable in for quite some time. Again, as as we were just saying, Zali Stegall, not necessarily someone you would put as like a vanguard of like progressive values, but she ran on a platform of like, you know, taking climate change seriously. So it's going to be interesting to see what like, you know, various candidates come up with um, in terms of differentiating themselves from the major parties. Yes. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just in closing news. Uh, Moderna is uh, going to start making the mRNA vaccine in Victoria and they're uh, predicting it will produce millions um, of vaccines uh, from uh, 2024 in a deal secured by the federal government with Moderna and the Victorian government to build a manufacturing facility in the state. Uh, and the in-principle agreement to create the country's first mRNA manufacturing plant will also allow priority access to non-pandemic vaccines, including influenza shots, which Prime Minister Scott Morrison said would be critical for protecting Australians. So That's huge. Yes. That's really good. Yay. <laughs> well, I was really worried because, like, the um, AstraZeneca vaccine, I think they're winding down production for that soon. And ideally, like, you know, it would still continue so that they could be distributed elsewhere. But it is still good that we're having local vaccine production. Yes. Okay. Well, we are going to be back with our 2021 wrap-up right after this. Celebrate a family-friendly New Year's Eve in Yarra. Join us at Edinburgh Gardens North Fitzroy and Barclay Gardens in Richmond for kids' games, sports competitions, lighting installations, relaxed live music and an outdoor cinema. This free, family-friendly event kicks off at both parks at 12 midday. Bring a picnic and ring in the new year with family and friends. Check out the full program at yarracity.vic.gov.au. And remember, City of Yarra Park streets and public spaces are alcohol-free on New Year's Eve. The City of Yarra is a 3CR supporter. Good morning. You're back on Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. It's quarter past seven. We're going to, since it's our last show, we're going to jump into a... Our take on a 2021 wrap up, a year that, I mean, to me doesn't stand out <laughs> as much as other years, just in terms of having so much fluctuation in between lockdowns and the obvious uh, elephant in the room, which was COVID 2.0 <laughs> um, and Melbourne spending uh, much of this year in lockdown as well. But, you know, there was a lot, a lot was going on. I and feel like it was like an extended 2020. Yeah, it was a bit of an extended 2020. Um, definitely feels like we've lived one year in two years <laughs> with uh, judging how slow things are going. But to be fair, like out of lockdowns, it seems to life just picks up and seems to race by you. Um, but I've made a little bit of a list. We can, we're going to like just spitball some like 
<laughs> I guess titles and then maybe talk about talk about them just quickly. Um, first up, I've got uh, the metaverse, <laughs> which we actually didn't touch on that much uh, during the show, but the obvious one. I mean, if you haven't seen Mark Zuckerberg make an absolute, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Second Life 2.0, like, yeah. <laughs> even worse. Yes. Oh, so like, ugly. Just the definition of cringe, this video promoting um, Facebook's transition to the uh, being meta and this new launch into virtual reality and, I guess, how you would look at it as Facebook trying to break the... Uh, I guess, circle of gaming and uh, social gaming as well, that, like, there's a lot of money in that. Like, if Fortnite and all of these other games have taught us there is a lot of money in them. I think lockdown, everyone was just playing a lot of games. But, yeah, super cringe. (laughs) One of the funniest things I remember from the announcement was, like, um, I think it was a Microsoft executive or someone um, demonstrating how the metaverse would like be used in like team conferences and that sort of thing and it was just like a lot of disembodied um, like torsos and heads of people in the meeting as they're like little animated characters like swishing around a meeting room and that sort of thing and I was like what's so funny is that after two years of people having to do stupid zoom meetings and that sort of thing and just everyone just talking about how much they hated it they finally found a way to make it worse somehow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've actually seen, I've been guiltily watching some of the these funny videos of people going into the metaverse and just kind of being like, this is the metaverse, like, this is what people are doing. <laughs> and yeah, there is these, like, rooms set up, I think, specifically for, like, meetings and stuff, and it's in this, like, luxurious, like, modern house, and there's, like, a water water feature, and there's, like, glass table, and, yeah, you can, like, dress up as, like, a rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) A rabbit, you said. Did you see someone getting married in the metaverse? It just looks so (laughs) bad. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Just like a little news, current news item with that, though. Um, there was an Australian artist, um, a, a, Vietnam, a Vietnamese woman um, who lives in Brisbane. Her name's Thea May Borman. Um, she actually has the Instagram handle Metaverse, and she's had that for, like, over a decade. And when the announcement was made, Instagram just disabled her account without saying anything. And so that's like a decade's worth of like her artwork, um, actually talking about like augmented reality and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, like Facebook basically just decided to take her name and uh, like of her project and just without even saying anything. It actually took only like a New York Times investigation after she said something for Facebook to restore it and say, sorry, we like, you know, we were, we disabled this account because of like, you know, um, impersonation reasons or something like that. And even though it's been like there for over 10 years. So it's so, yeah, I, I just really hate the way that Silicon Valley has that kind of control to just relabel and rebrand themselves as something without any sort of consequences. Mm, definitely. Yes. Um, you know, it's like, have they done this so that we could maybe forget the role that Facebook has played in yeah in all these horrible events um, genocide corruption information yeah yeah <laughs> yeah def- or just like the concentration of wealth 
Like Yeah, you know, and I feel like it's gonna derail the conversation of accountability for, you know, places like Facebook. Because mm-hmm. people are gonna be like wanting to play Wonder Mine crafting yeah. games. Literally. <laughs> so. Um the next thing I have is obviously the Sex Discrimination Act, uh, which was now it's two reports that have been put out by Sex um uh sorry bleh, Kate Jenkins, sorry, <laughs> name just escaped me. Um put out two reports specifically in light of the Brittany Higgins case, which happened uh earlier this year and um you know, revealed a lot of uh I guess toxicness that was happening in parliament and also just workplaces in general and how um that is sustained through the system and through this uh structure of silence and secrecy and um you know it has i think particularly because me too happened uh a couple of years ago um and uh, i think there's been it has f- facilitated a lot of discussion but It's also been, I think, quite upsetting to see, you know, this is really what people think. Like, this is really how we handle these situations. Um, This is really how we treat people or survivors of um, sexual violence or sexual assault. Um, So, yeah, especially in Australia, I think that's been quite a big focal point, especially in politics. Um, But, yeah, then I have COVID 2.0. We don't need to... (laughs) <laughs> Don't need to dwell on that. We never need to dwell on no, that. No, that's that's fine. Um <laughs> move swiftly past. Yeah. Um I have Afghanistan, obviously. Um lots of discussion about that after we withdrew troops and so did the US. Uh and very I guess in a weird, bizarre way that they did intentionally on the anniversary of uh nine eleven. Um, but obviously that's been a complete catastrophe. Uh, the Taliban is now uh, being reinstated and, yeah, don't need to dwell on that <laughs> either. Um, I have Bera Jekyllian lost her job, <laughs> the ICAC investigation, which is currently going on at the moment. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess in the heat of her being the face for New South Wales COVID reports for so long. It was a very bizarre thing to just see her step down. But um, And also just like, I'm not sure about anyone else, but all these commission reports, all these like, I, uh, I had no idea what, what, that any of them existed. Um, uh, uh, anti-corruption, uh, I guess, uh, things, yeah, until this year. <laughs> so it's been a bit of an educational process. Um, and then I have, uh, we made Macron mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that, that, it's such a weird sort of diplomatic, um, sword rattling sort of exercise. Basically, um, Australia scuppered our submarines contract with France, Mm -hmm. um, in favour of the AUKUS agreement, um, with the UK and the United States, um, billions of dollars in the offing from our old submarine contract into the new one. Um, but I think, it, like, the thing with that, too, is, like, it was already a diplomatic nightmare um, in order to, like, you know, go into a disagreement with the US and the UK. But also it overshadowed any sort of reasonable compensation at COP26, which yes. is the, the climate change conference yeah. that happened a couple Some of Some of that, ago. just the... Oh, yeah. The immaturity... <laughs> um, 
or even just like some of the videos and stuff that came out of the bitterness that were, you could like feel with um, Scott Morrison and Macron. Um, but yeah, it did. It stunted a lot of actual constructive conversations that could have happened at the summit. I mean, to be fair, like, I don't think anyone thought that Scott Morrison was really seriously going to go in there and make a serious statement about climate change. Yeah, no. (laughs) But it just makes it all the more embarrassing that not only do we not have that kind of ability to, you know, reckon with something that affects us all, but we're going to distract from it all with all these kind of little petty fights diplomatically. Yeah, well, in the words of Greta Thunberg, it's just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like my favourite video. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, I've got Scott Morrison opened up about uh, Pentecostalism. No one was a stranger to the fact that he was a Pentecostal, <laughs> but he was very open about the fact that he's doing God's work. And you know what? Good on him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... Uh, La Nina, which we're in at the moment, uh, monsoonal rains. My whole roof was like, my whole, uh, part of my roof in my room is like caving in now. Nice. Which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, brutal summer awaits us, but it's okay. Like, yeah, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying some of the rain. Well, one, I feel like the weird upsides is that like both, um, the Warragamba Dam in New South Wales is like full to brimming. Um, and also Melbourne Water was like talking about their usual like monthly reports on like how full the dam is. And it's like, it's, a, I think it's like a full 20% fuller than it would have been in any other average summer year. Um, and all of that happened in November. Yeah. Which is, yeah, insane. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. I'm not surprised. It's literally, um, the like my whole alleyway was like a river <laughs> oh yeah um, that was that weird like we had like a whole bunch of storms the other week and it was just so weird seeing so much flash flooding in like brunswick and yes definitely oh my god um, i got stuck in four hours of traffic from fitzroy to footscray oh, no. oh <laughs> like did you see like on a- that one main day yeah there was like one video I saw of, like, the IGA in Brunswick on um, Ligon Street was, like, just basically underwater, which I've never seen before in my yeah. life. Um, we're quickly, we're running out of time. <laughs> so, still so much, so much stuff to go through. But I'll just quickly, like, name them off. We've got hashtag free Britney, um, Simone Biles, and Naomi Saka's uh, comments on mental health, Squid Game, uh, Billionaires Go to Space. <laughs> what else happened this year? Gosh, there's too many things happened. A lot, yeah, a lot went on. So much. Well, um, we have we have some time yeah. later on to <laughs> to continue to continue our 2021 wrap Sorry, up. I'm just getting excited. Um, okay, we're gonna jump into a song though. Um, I think this is a good song uh, in terms of, well by an incredible artist, no name, uh, absolute uh, lyricist. Um, it's called Rainforest. The hints on a lot of things from systematic racism to climate change. Um, I'm sure you've heard it already, but here it is again. How you get closer to love? How you eliminate all your sadness when you're opening up? How you make excuses for billionaires you broke on a bus? How many niggas around me rolling up and smoking me up? Because, because my rainforest cries. Everybody dies a little. And I just want to dance tonight. And I just want to dance tonight. 
Ah, uh, yeah. He my little baby Medusa, tipping the juice up. I go back and forth in an Uber, travel for two months. I'm the emptiest, hallelujah. Open my chest up, it's a rabbit inside my hat. Angel all dressed up, looking to bless up at the milk and the honey gates. I make money for money's sake, I've been writing a hundred days. To the wretched off the earth and called it baby for nine. I know my shoulder blades are shattered wings that carry me home. I said, baby, come on. I know this flesh is only temporary, brittle as bone. Why don't you empty out your love for me, then chisel the stone? These are ten black commandments, a property loan. Cause every blade of grass of earth we don't actually own I am the I am, says Sam, am I? The universe please infinity, you got one life Uh, yeah, how you get close to love? How you eliminate all your sadness when you opening up? How you make excuses for billionaires you broken up But sunny niggas around me rolling up and smoking me up Because, because we're in boys' cries Everybody dies in love Everybody dies in love I just wanna dance to love if you think you love me, then bury me when the sun up Faded with the homie, pearling another blunt up Talking to Muhammad like niggas don't really trust us Dying on stolen land for a dollar like that ain't fucked up It's fucked they money I'ma say it every song into the revolution Coming all the feds start running Fuck a goodwill hunting, this is brand new murder Revolutionary suicide, then close occur And you ain't seen death, I can hear the blood on the moon These niggas put a flag up on it, all they do is consume Only animal to ravage everything in its path They turned a natural resource into a bundle of cash Made the world anti-black, then divided the class Now the rich niggas is rich niggas with showbread Really bitch niggas with big figures Some cokeheads, these bitches is cokeheads Man, fuck a billionaire Get close to love. How you eliminate all your sadness when you opening up? How you make excuses for billionaires you broken up with? Sunny niggas around me rolling up and smoking me up. Because, because we're in boys' class. Everybody dies in love. Everybody dies in love. I just wanna dance to I just wanna dance to That was No Name uh, with Rainforest. And um, yeah, I mean, she hits the nail on the head every time uh very much uh a critique a critic of class as well and she actually runs her own uh book club in chicago uh which i think is actually quite successful now where um i think you can join online as well uh and she's just opened up a center for that as well i love her book club i've learned about yeah. some good books from that book club. yeah yeah <laughs> it's really cool isn't it um she i mean i lo- i literally i love no name but i I saw her live a couple of years ago and I think she stopped touring. Um, and I think one of her reasons was like she was sick of always performing in front of, um, I guess, Caucasian or white crowds. Um, and there wasn't uh, never, I think, especially touring in places like Australia and everything. Um, and so she she stopped, which I think is a very fair enough uh, point. Um I think while we, yeah, okay, um, while we just wait for the interview to um, come up, we're just going to go um, into another track, and this one was also, I mean, I'm sure everyone got their top 100 songs from Spotify, even though Spotify is bad, it's bad. Um, it is, I mean, everyone uses it, but, um, Carly Uchis was one of my top artists and I think she's 
really paved her way this year, becoming very successful, um, had an incredible uh, album that dropped. Um, and I think it was quite uh, revolutionary. It was really popular, obviously, in uh, Western, in the West, but it was, it's a, a I guess, a Latinx uh, album because she is uh, Colombian and pretty much a lot of the, most of the songs are in Spanish. And I thought, I mean... It's nice to see, especially after the uh, boom of Despacito, which like broke, like where uh, reggaeton really broke into the mainstream market. It's nice to see a woman break into that as well, and especially a woman from Colombia. So I'm going to play her most uh, well-known track, Telepatia. <laughs> That was Kali Uchis with her breakthrough song, Telepatia. Um, all right. Well, I think we're going to return to our 2021 wrap up. Um, I think there's a really important part of 2021 for me personally. Yeah. Um, which was Squid Game. Yes. Um, which was another like thing that really helped me through lockdown. Yeah. And also... I'm like a huge fan of, um, you know, K-pop, K-drama, the pop culture that 
Korea produces, and Squid Game was so incredibly different, but um, still kind of like kept the um, flavor of like K drama, which I thought was super interesting, and I loved yes. all the conversation around capitalism and um, I and class. That was amazing. Korea has such good class commentary in their movies and TV shows, which I love as well. Yeah. And I loved so much that it was a Korean TV show that was sparking these conversations rather than, you know, something made out of Hollywood or in America or even here. So that was definitely a highlight of 2021 for me. Yeah. Um, And another highlight for me was the conversations around um, Bollywood in India and how it's linked to soft power and how the government um, kind of uses the silence of these really powerful Bollywood actors and actresses to further kind of um, pro-Hindu agenda and, like, create, you know, a sense of, like, hierarchy in India, which um, this government has really taken it upon themselves to um, further. And we had a really good conversation with an academic um, who is doing their PhD on this subject on this show, which was a highlight of the show for me for this year as well. Yeah, definitely. No, I definitely learned a lot from that interview as well. Um, and it's interesting drawing the connections between, I guess, the soft power that Bollywood has over the political or politics in India. And, um, and I mean, it's kind of, it's very similar to how Hollywood has very much a political or even a social power over what happens in the West. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I feel like, you know, Bollywood gets away with a lot more. Hollywood's mm. been under a bit of scrutiny since Me Too, and, you know, it's it's kind of just more out there, and people are more free to critique it, um, in a sense. And Bollywood has always had this, like, kind of shroud of secrecy that it operates in. Yeah, yeah. And I'm loving that that's at least slightly coming on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to... Um, quickly talk about the fact that, you know, a lot of rich people are flying into space or (laughs) flew into space this year. Uh, I mean, most notably Jeff Bezos, uh, paid, it was a ridiculous amount of money to have a, I can't remember how long it took, but I think he was actually in space for like five minutes or something (laughs) like really small. And you would think, I guess, you know, in an existential sense, you're flying up to space, you look back on Earth, you think about how, you know, <laughs> small <laughs> I feel like it could it could have gone two ways. He could have he could have um looked at Earth and been like, I control this. Look at me, I am <laughs> in <what> space <laughs> looking down at the tiny earth and I've you know, I have succeeded. Or you could kind of look at it and be like wow, we're just a speck in the ocean. We're just tiny and like, you know, you know, we should protect everything. And I think because he went to space and then he was like, that was amazing. And then <laughs> like a month or so later, he was like, when I was in space, I saw the Amazon or something like that. And I, I saw, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was like, and I saw and I realized how, it's dying, or this is a very simplified version of what he said. <laughs> um, and then now he's investing 
money into saving it. It's like, dude. It took going into space. (laughs) (laughs) For like two seconds. I think the funniest thing about all the billionaires like trying to race each other into space is that after their whole little thing of like, I think it was Richard Branson, um, Jeff Bezos, I I think I feel, oh yeah, Elon Musk, of course. Yes. Um, The funniest thing about that, like all of them were in space for like 2.5 seconds and then NASA was like, actually that wasn't really space. It was just like more like (laughs) the the, the last little bit of atmosphere before official space. Yeah. Which is super funny. Like, you know, um, like not that it really matters in the scheme of things, like all these idiots are like still just trying to like you know have like big toys that they can go up yeah, into yeah. The, the atmosphere but yes. it, it's just uh, it, it's so frustrating to see like it, it, not to be cliche about it but like a whole world that's suffering and just like these guys like the biggest thing they can think of is Spending just like racing. billions of dollars so something that we did in like the 70s <laughs> yeah and don't get me started on elon musk i see so many teslas being driven around and yes electric cars like i know they're the future but musk oh my god just, electric cars I, are good in principle and like in terms of emissions and that sort of thing but yeah um tesla as an organization like tesla yeah problem. it's just uh, the company is just stocks yeah. like that's anyway we're not <laughs> <laughs> but, i mean we could have a whole show about elon musk yeah. and how much he sucks but. yeah anyway that that was 2021 <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like i wish we could have this like I hope we can continue this segment. I think it's really good to like get it all out there. Um, okay, well we're now going to go to another track. I discovered this just the other day. Based in Nam Pastels is a project of Annie Boy, who is a producer, uh, beat maker, and instrumentalist. And this next track is from her EP Out of Office, which was released this year. And I really like that title because. We're about to go out of office. Um, And this next track is called By Your Side. It's super chill, uh, catchy, and um, sure to get you relaxed and ready for the year. So here is Pastels with By Your Side.
My name is Ana Maria Tijú. I'm a musician, composer from Chile. And I would like to say thank you to this uh, space of uh, community radio and and to give the opportunity like to have different news and music and to put another perspective in this world that is so crazy in another step of violence that I think it's so important to make another vision about what is happening. So thank you and say thank you particularly to the Mujeres Latinoamericanas and this show. Thank you. Welcome back to 3CR Breakfast. Uh, it's 7.45 and right now on the air we've got Catherine Burton who is a PhD researcher with the Inter- Interdisciplinary Conservation Science Research Group or Icon Science at RMIT. Catherine's research looks at urban gardens across the city of Melbourne including the Royal Botanical Gardens and the Australian Native Garden in Royal Park to see which plants are preferred by native bees and honeybees, hoverflies and butterflies. Um, Catherine joins us this morning to talk us through the current housing and food crisis affecting the city's native bees and what we can do to help. Welcome to 3CR Breakfast, Catherine. Thanks for having me. So could you please start by telling us more about your area of research? Thanks. I study insects um, insects and arachnids in cities, basically, but my main focus is on flower-loving insects like native bees. And I'm interested in studying these because I think that cities are really excellent opportunities for conservation of these really small organisms. They only exist in an entire green space, like the Botanic Gardens is like an entire city for a small insect that can't fly very far. So we have huge opportunities in cities to provide resources for these species. And also they're just really cool. They have lots of different diversity in shapes and sizes, um, and once you get to know them, they're really likable. Yeah, I think whenever we talk about conservation of wildlife, we tend to think of much bigger creatures. So it's great to know that there are people out there who are focused on insects, which is great. Um, could you tell us more about native bees? I'm not sure about the rest of the Tuesday Breakfast team, but I don't know if I actually know what a native bee looks like. Is it what I'm thinking when I picture a bee? Possibly not. A lot of the media is dominated by images of honeybees, which are big and yellow and black bees. But most Australian native bees are quite small. They can range between... I mean, the smallest in Australia is two millimetres long. Um, And in Victoria, you're likely to get bees that range from about five millimetres to up to a centimetre long. Um, So uh, I don't have a good comparison for how big that is, but most flowers are bigger than our native bees. Wow. And um, they they often come in different colours. So a lot of them, some of our native bees are hairless and they'll be black with little highlights of yellow on them. Um, the most common that you'll see is a blue-banded bee. They are quite big compared to most of our bees and they have this vibrant bright, bright blue abdomen with bright blue stripes on it um, and reddish brown furry, furry um, thoraxes, which is kind of like your midsection, I guess. <laughs> We'll have to we'll have to pop a photo up on our um, page later this morning so that people can easily identify them. But how do they uh, help? Um, how do they help the our our landscape? I mean, I know bees um, play a, a very big role in um, 
and with to do with pollination and of course we know with honeybees they produce honey but um what what contributions do native bees uh give to us they a big one is pollination so they're good at pollinating our homegrown veggies and fruits but they're also really important in agricultural purposes and the blue-banded bee that I was mentioning before has a special type of pollination that's really useful for things like tomatoes that actually have their pollen is locked up inside very solid structures and these bees are able to do what's called buzz pollination where they shake their abdomen at a certain rate and it releases the pollen from these types of flowers. So actually honeybees are not very good at pollinating those kinds of things. We need our native bees to do that. And um, But they also, and I think it's often forgotten, that they're part of a bigger food chain. So having these insects in our gardens is useful for attracting birds and lizards that we love as well. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. Um, and and we'll get to, you know, um, what plants, honey, uh, sorry, native bees prefer just in a moment. But what, what can you tell us about um, our urban gardens or any projects that are popping up in the city to help attract more native bees and other insects? Project happening down in South Melbourne called the Heart Gardens Project. It's run by Emma Cutting. And she's actually got a bigger project in mind. She's trying to connect um, Westgate Park to the Botanic Gardens. And that's really important because for a small insects, it's hard to move around the city. And so her goal is to create these street gardens as a, as a line that will help connect these two rather large. It's kind of like connecting two metropolises by a road for bees um, through the city. And so that's really interesting. She's got a lot of resources available at her website. Um, that's the Heart Gardening. If you Google Heart Gardening, I can't remember the full website title, but you'll be able to find her and her resources. But there's also the City of Melbourne is doing some interesting pollinator plantings along, um, along what is the street called? Along a couple of streets in Melbourne. You'll have seen them in the north of Melbourne. Um, and then there's also the... Woody, woody native gardens in Burung, down next to, um, there's that little section as you go down from below the MCG, there's a couple of woody gardens that are just examples of flowering gardens that contain all native woody species. Um, and the Australian Native Garden in Royal Park is really useful to check out as well if you need inspiration for your own garden because they have a lot of native species growing in a very highly cultivated yeah, I know, I know a lot of people have really gotten into gardening, uh, since COVID. And so if there are any people out there listening, if you are looking for something to do during the school holidays, maybe perhaps you could do like a little tour of the city and try to find mm. these gardens. That could be great. Um, so for people at home, what can we plant to provide our native bees with housing and food? is that a lot of native bees don't actually live in hives and I forgot to mention that before they're often solitary and so they nest in um, a lot of them nest in the ground so providing just bare patches of earth with loose soil for them is really important so really maximizing the unsealed surface so limiting the amount of concrete you put into your backyard is really important because they will nest in the soil but also you can provide food in the form of pollen and nectar and it's important to recognize that you're after those kinds of resources. So some flowers will provide both pollen and nectar, some will only provide pollen. And things like native daisies, rock-cut daisies, are really good sources of both. Um, bluebells are really good sources of, of nectar and pollen, but also they can be used for male bees to sleep in. Often I come to Royal Park and I'll find a little male native bee sleeping in a, 
and a bluebell and pig face as well are really good choices for native plants that provide pollen and nectar, but also sometimes nesting resources because male bees, um, being solitary, often sleep in flowers. Uh, I find that imagery so cute, <laughs> so adorable. Um, that sounds great. Uh, is there a, a resource available to people um, if they would like to know more about the different plants that are incredibly useful for native bees or is it just a matter of Googling them? There's a few resources. The AussieBee.com has quite a few resources on um, just getting to know different native bees as well as some resources for how to build your own bee hotel for some of the bees that like to nest in sticks. You can make your own to encourage them to nest in your garden. There's also Emma's project, the Heart Gardening Project. She's got a book which she's compiled with a bunch of different research, researchers that provides a list of different plants that you can start with to plant in your garden for encouraging native bees. Awesome. Well, we can definitely uh, pop those links into our show notes later this morning. Just before we leave, Catherine, do you have a favourite bee fact or what's, what's your favourite thing about, about native bees? Favourite bee fact? Um, I think... My favourite bee, that's a difficult question. I just love all of them so much. I think I can tell you my favourite bee is the one that's nesting in my garden at the moment. I think um, my favourite fact is that they are able to sleep in in flowers. And actually my favourite bee fact generally is that irises, if you've seen that brush in the middle of an iris, you know how it's got that little yeah. cherry bead in the middle? Yeah. That's actually evolved to be a bee bed because male bumblebees um, will sleep in those because they're also a lot of a lot of them have male solitary species too, and so they get pollinated by bees sleeping in them. So they've evolved to become a better bee bed. And and how long do they sleep for? Um, they will sleep overnight, the whole night. Oh my gosh! And some some native bees in Australia will actually sleep through the whole winter, so they'll just skip out on the cold bits. Wow. Okay. Well, I I think that that is definitely my favourite fact that I've learned today or have learned in general about bees. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for for joining us this morning. I think with um, with uh, yeah summer coming and with people having perhaps more downtime spent with their families, their children. Uh, I think growing a lush garden. Uh, for bees to to pollinate and to sleep in sounds like a great idea. Thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us this morning. Thanks very much for having me. That was Catherine Burthen from RMIT speaking to us about bees and uh, what we can do to provide them with food and housing. That was so cute. Oh, my God. (laughs) I, I need to... Okay, we need to just Google now just so many photos of, of bees sleeping in flowers. Just <laughs> I was just like going cute. crazy in this on this studio just thinking about a bee sleeping in a flower. I know. <laughs> just too much. Um, all right, well, with that in mind, maybe, uh, you know, in the next 30 seconds while we play um, a little ad break, maybe you can have a think about or Google Um, images of bees sleeping in flowers but you're listening to 3cr we'll be right back after this calling all filmmakers 
the ninth annual Setting Sun Film Festival wants your film. Enter a short or a feature-length film for the chance to see your work up on the gorgeous Sun Theatre screen in Yarraville. The Sun Theatre was voted one of the most beautiful theatres in the world, with up to $10,000 in prizes for winners. Entries close on the 31st of January, 2022. Go to settingsun.com.au and enter your film now. The Setting Sun Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. We're now going to go to a track. Carnegie, do you want to introduce this next one? I would love to. So this um, artist, PHPRC, was in my top five artists of the year, even though I think she only has about six songs out. So clearly I just listened to her on repeat. Um, I think she's such an incredible songwriter. Um, She writes a lot about... Um, struggles with mental illness and um, her sexuality and I think she's she's just great. This song is called Heavy and it's a song about um, people perceiving you to be too much.
Tuesday Breakfast would like to thank our friends at Living Coco for their support of the program. Living Coco puts community first by respecting food sovereignty. Based in Braybrook, they create bean to bar chocolates, cacao tea, intentional drinking cacao and cacao mass in bulk. A zero waste manufacturing space, Living Coco ethically source cacao from over 130 domestic village farms in Samoa. They are at livingcoco.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back, folks. So we've uh, tried to get uh, Chris Schuringer from Gecko on the line just to explain to us a bit more about what's happening with Vic Forests um, and their alleged illegal activity and why they've been referred to both IBAC and the Ombudsman. Fortunately, we can't get her on this morning, but we would like to highly recommend that you all check out uh, Gecko's website, um, we can pop it in the show notes later this morning. There's some incredible uh, work going on from grassroots organisations. Um, I'm thinking of Warburton um, Environment as well. They're really fighting back um, some of the uh, some of the um, uh, things that have been happening with Vic Forests. Um, but what I might do now is actually just hand over to Carnegie because uh, you've got. Uh, someone on the line this morning. I do. So recently, uh, the National Tertiary Education Union, uh, or the NTEU, um, the General Secretary actually tabled an amendment to a motion that had been put forward about addressing transphobia in the union. Um, the motion was written by uh, a queer collective of net, uh, a network of queer members and staff within the NTEU called CUTE, which is the greatest name, um, and Amy, who is the national convener of um, the Queer Unionist in Tertiary Education, is joining us this morning to tell us a bit more about the motion and addressing transphobia within the union and at your workplace. Welcome to the show, Amy. Hey, hey, how's it going? Good, how are you this morning? Yeah, I'm well. Great. Um, maybe we can just start off by talking about how CUTE came to be. Yeah, well, I'm not the first convener of CUTE. It's a group that's been around for a while. And, you know, all workplaces experience queer phobia, transphobia. Um, and tertiary spaces are no different. And so CUTE is an organising group for queer members to address that. Yeah, incredible. Um, so in consultation with queer unionists from across the country, CUTE has been working on a motion um, to address these issues within the union and within workplaces, um, which was, you know, to be brought up at the NTEU National Council. What sort of led to this motion being drafted? Yeah, well, <laughs> like I said, um, all, all workplaces experience transphobia, but in tertiary spaces, transphobia manifests in quite a unique way. Um, people might have heard this term before, inverted commas here, gender critical ideology is the, t sorry, the term that transphobes use in academic spaces to seek to legitimize their transphobia. In other words, they call themselves gender critical 
so they don't have to call themselves transphobes in academic spaces. And this term that they use seeks to uh, situate what they're talking about, this bigotry, this hate speech that they're espousing within academic frameworks, even though, of course, this stuff doesn't get published, doesn't pass panel, um, but it masquerades as legitimate academic work. And that's currently what we're facing in academic spaces around the country. And so us as CUTE, <laughs> as, our, <laughs> as our queer unionists group in the union, we want to address that that is going on in Australia and around the world too. Uh, uh, because, you know, we think a union, you know, hopefully our universities, but our union especially, it should be easy for them to stand up and say, hey, hate speech is not academic work. We don't stand for it. Um, and, and it should be as simple as that. But, uh, yeah, it hasn't been. <laughs> well, exactly. The union is supposed to be a safe space for um, all staff to come to. Um, and this is, of course, an issue that they should be taking quite seriously. But, you know... Ironically, what what ended up happening was that the general secretary of the NTEU um, amended the motion to present, quote, unquote, gender critical ideology as important, and this is in quotations, intellectual inquiry rather than hate speech that legitimizes transphobia. Can you tell us a bit more about this? Yeah, so in response to this climate, that has emerged or, or exists, I should say, within universities, but specifically this climate where transphobes uh, veil their transphobia with this phrase, gender critical. Um, we, we produced a motion which went to the National Council of our union, which is kind of the peak um, voting body of the union that happens once a year. And we brought this motion and it had a bunch of simple, straightforward, streamlining process and stuff in it, but the one bit of it that was the most important in the eyes of all of our queer members was this call, this call on the union to say, hey, gender critical slash transphobic hate speech, we don't stand for that. This is not uh, something we support. Um, and, yes, yeah, sadly, uh, an amendment was moved by... Uh, members of the national executive of our union, people who are not queer members, um, without any consultation with our queer members, mm. or me, I didn't even know about it until it went on the agenda. And this amendment that they moved just put lines through any part of our motion that mentioned uh, gender-critical hate speech. Yeah, and in response to that cute um, called an emergency meeting... Um, to address this with um, members of CUTE and, you know, allies as well. What was the outcome of this meeting and what what are the next steps moving forward? Yeah, so yes, <laughs> obviously we were shocked that this yeah. happened at our National Council. And so, yeah, we convened uh, this emergency meeting because people kind of wanted to take action. They didn't want to wait until uh, the next scheduled CUTE meeting. So we got all the allies and all of our queer members in the room or on Zoom, on the Zoom room, and we moved an emergency motion, which is a new call to action in light of what has happened, because um, we're kind of in a position now to ask for something. You know, mm -hmm. people are resigning from their union at a higher rate than they have been previously over this 
you know, if you if you're watching NTU activity on Twitter, so many people are saying I'm leaving the union, I'm leaving in 48 hours unless they mm. resolve this. People sharing their emails showing that they've left, and so this needs to be resolved. And uh, we move this motion in response to that with some steps forward. Yeah, I think that uh, you know it's wildly important to hold the union to account just as much as a workplace or anywhere else. And, you know, for issues like this, because um, I think one of the things as well in the in the motion is wanting the NTEU to take a proper stand against uh, Morrison's religious discrimination bill as well, um, as well as, you know, include 30 days of gender affirmation leave um, and, you know, obviously just acknowledge the dignity of trans and gender diverse workers and students in every way. Um, and that's that's a little bit hard to do if you are at a grassroots level uh, accepting gender critical ideology. Yeah, well, you know what? The, the fact that our original motion was amended to strip out condemnation of gender critical mm-hmm. ideology on the floor of our National Council of our union it was basically argued by everyone who was trying to move this amendment to our motion that gender-critical, uh, transphobic hate speech has a place in academia. And as far as I can see around the world, the NTU is now the first union to legitimise hate speech in this format as legitimate academic work. So, Which is just absolutely unacceptable in every way. So I think it's absolutely incredible the work that CUTE is doing Um and to actively campaign at kind of a rank-and-file level against systemic transphobia, especially at institutions like unions, where, as I said, people are supposed to feel safe, um, sets a real precedent because I think, you know, the NTEU and I'm sure other unions have had issues with not only transphobia but racism and, um, you know, various other kinds of discrimination where people are silenced when they do speak up. So... This motion is setting a precedent, I think, for lots of um, minority groups within the union and within tertiary education. And the turnout at that emergency meeting was so great. Lots of allies, lots of queer members, um, which is heartening to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, hey, speaking of that, you know, this is not to say that uh, the NTU is perfect on issues of race by any stretch, but the NTU does have clauses in the rules, which condemn Islamophobia, misogyny, yeah. racism. None of those things are impeding legitimate academic work. And uh, like hate speech towards trans people, uh, condemning that is not impeding legitimate academic work either. That is a fantastic point, and that's exactly right. Um, so hopefully the next motion uh, is more successful. I hope that, you know, they do accept that what they are doing is wrong um, and I hope that, you know, it, it does result in that being added into the union and this being a much safer place for trans people. Um, what can people do if they want to be allies or find out more um, and get involved? Yeah, well, look, if you're a worker in your union, uh, sorry, if you're a worker in a tertiary space um, and, and you're an ally or you're a, or a gender-diverse trans person, um, yeah, join your union. I mean, I don't blame the people that are leaving, but I don't encourage anyone to leave because then we're just left with the transfers. 
you know. But <laughs> if we have a loud, strong voice of um, allies and LGBT people in our tertiary spaces saying, hey, we want a union that speaks up on these issues and doesn't sit on the sidelines, or worse yet, legitimizes <laughs> the bad things happening as real work, um, yeah. Yeah, people should get involved if they can, if that's relevant to them, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that it's um, necessary. I think that it's time to fill the union with people who, with like-minded people, with people who are going to fight the good fight. So, absolutely. We will um, link to all the relevant links in our show notes later today. Um, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Amy. Yeah, thanks for having me. So that was Amy Sargent, convener of CUTE, um, which is a queer network at the NTEU, talking to us about transphobia within the union, um, how to combat it, and um, the motions that are being worked on at the moment by members. And we'll be right back after this. Have you heard of long COVID? If you or someone you know have had COVID-19, you may still experience symptoms weeks or months later. There are many symptoms of long COVID, but the most frequent are extreme tiredness, shortness of breath, and muscle aches and joint pains. Anyone can experience long COVID, including children. You can find information in your language on the Health Translations website, healthtranslations.vic.gov.au. Just type long COVID as a keyword. A 3CR supporter. Good morning, everyone. The time is 20 past eight. We're nearly at the end of our show. I wanted to play for you now the third episode and final episode of a short series of interviews I did with some students from Collingwood College. So here we have Ilhan, Zara and Asati. Enjoy. In October, while we were still in lockdown, I spoke with some grade 3-4 students from Collingwood College, which is just around the corner from the 3CR studios. Today, we'll hear from three students, Ilhan, Zara and Asante, as they share what's been on their minds. Firstly, I asked them how they were finding lockdown and what they'd been doing to stay occupied and entertained. been going kind of you know, a bit boring because like we have to stay at home but it's still fun because we get to chat with our friends and things we get to learn new things and yeah we've been doing projects before lockdown so it's still been fun like we go out sometimes to the parks with my family and sometimes we do we learn new things like I don't know, like new spelling, like I-R-E-R-A-R-E-S-T. That's what we've been learning. So I've enjoyed um, at least going to the park and um, sometimes seeing friends and 
Yeah, and stuff that have been challenging is um it's really hard for me to get to see my friends every day. We don't get to go to school. We can't go see our friends. So yeah. Secondly, they talked about what they were looking forward to doing post lockdown. Um, I'm really excited for Happy New Year. I'm excited to like probably in that time we'll be out of lockdown. So yeah, I hope that we get out of lockdown. And um, yep, we can go to the park. Go to school. Yeah, go shopping with my mom and family. Hanging out outside. Yeah. Well, I'm really hoping that we can do camp. Um, because it's been such a long time. Signing our forms, but there's no camp because of lockdown. And I'm hoping that maybe. The fireworks will come out for the new year because last time the new year it, we couldn't go see the fireworks. We had to do it at home, stay at home. But we did have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'm just really hoping that there will be fireworks because and like other festivals that I've been going to, like the Mamba Festival, play centers, and play with my friends because. Every time I go to a park or a play center, I make new friends and like start playing Tiggy. That's what we normally do. And yeah, they enjoy it too. To hug my friends and my teachers. The students then shared with me who they'd like to interview at 3CR and what questions they would ask. I want to interview a soccer player named Mohamed Salah and um, a uh, master chef. Yeah. So for a soccer player, I will ask how many times did it win and I'm going to ask them to do one trick that's called the rainbow flick. Yeah, I just wrote, I want to interview soccer player because like I love soccer. That's one of my favorite games that I'm good at. Well, I might ask him about how much years have you been training, and can you do like whatever tricks that they can do? I'll ask them that. Asante, do you have anyone you'd like to interview? Justin Bieber. Justin oh, Bieber? Justin Bieber, I know. <laughs> yes, it might be a bit hard for us to get Justin Bieber on the radio, but, <laughs> but we can dream. Finally, Zara and Ilhan spoke to me about what they'd like to do in the future. I just say when I grow up, I want to be... Um, there's lots of things that I want to be. I want to be a YouTuber or a gamer or um, a, a 
farmer, I think. No, not farmer. It's called the pharmacist. The people that make me- medicine. And, um, I want to... I forgot what the other ones were. Oh, yeah, and a chef. I'd rather be a chef or an engineer or a doctor or a vet or maybe, like, a hairdresser and maybe a pharmacy too because I would want to help people get feel better. Um, yeah. Welcome back, everyone. How cute was that? Oh, this is so adorable. (laughs) I would like to be a farmer or a pharmacist. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, same. (laughs) I love it. And um, so now, how do we get Justin Bieber to 3CR so that these students can interview him? (laughs) I'm sure if we just ask nicely. Yeah, just slide into his DMs. Yeah, Yeah, Justin Bieber support (laughs) community radio. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, Well, I thought that was a great way to end not just our show, but our final live show for the year, which is super exciting. We we now go into four weeks of um, summer programming, so... We're taking a break. We're taking a break. We still, <laughs> we'll be back. Still stay tuned because we've got, um, we're going to be replaying highlights from from this year, from this year's show. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely stay tuned to that. All of, I guess, our personal favorite interviews mm. will be replayed and I think um, there'll be a, some, some of them have particular themes, so definitely keep tuning in. Can I just say as well, it has been such a wonderful year to be able to do this with you guys, just to, just to get mushy for oh, a second. Yeah. Like, especially it's been like another horrible year of just being in lockdown. It's just been such a bright point of my mm-hmm. week to be able Absolutely. to do this. Definitely, definitely. Well, just a very, very rapid rapid wrap up of today's show <laughs> we started with an incredible 2021 wrap up and um you can't really see the uh spreadsheet but the what Genevieve has put in I said to her reminds me of the like we didn't start the fire, you know like the rap <laughs> <Yeah>. beforehand <laughs> um we did speak to Catherine Burton um uh, who uh talked to us about native bees and if you follow us on twitter you will see we have posted some pictures of sleeping bees and then carnegie uh yeah and then i spoke with um convener of the queer network in the nteu um amy Sargent, who talked to us about transphobia how to combat it and um what allies can do to help Awesome. Well, this has been 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. Stay tuned next for Accent of Women, and we will see you all in 2022. Have a good summer. 3CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. While you're there, check out Radical Coffee, a worker-run cooperative cafe in the courtyard. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.